Hey, everybody. It's Mike Rickheim. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Madiv's Getting to Know podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Natalie Podrin, who's also our Chief Transformation Officer. Natalie, thanks for joining us today on the Getting to Know podcast. Well, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited. We're excited to have you. So what is the life of a Chief Transformation Officer all about? Like, you don't you see a chief executive officer and a chief financial officer in a lot of places. You don't always hear about a chief transformation officer. So can you walk us through a little bit about how you spend your time and how this came to be? Yeah, um, I'll say that we're still evolving it uh, because the transformation office is new to both the legacy Nina and the legacy SWM. So it's new to MADIV. So as we think about how MADIV is coming together, transformation and integration is, is certainly one of those. Um, so I'd say every day is completely different. Pack full, though, of lots of experiences cross-functionally and from a business unit perspective. So the reason we're here from an integration standpoint is to figure out how we can help the organization go faster and potentially more successfully as we move forward in the world that will be MADIV. And what's really exciting for me anyway in these early days, because we're only a couple of months in, is that the organization itself already feels that this integration is theirs. It is not the transformation office. It's not Ernst and Young work. It is. Um, it is. There's really a sense of ownership across the organization. So I actually have probably the easiest job in all of Madiv because we've got an organization behind us that um, is just wanting to go. That's great. So. You bring a unique perspective. Everyone else thus far from the guest book has been either Legacy Nina or Legacy SWM. You come from the outside. So what what has that been like? How unique has that been for you? So I'll say it's unique in a bunch of ways. And I think at some point, you catch me on this all the time. I'm surprised you didn't call me out on it already. We're slowly getting away from the legacy Nina and legacy SWM. And we're really becoming this one Madiv, which is exciting. And I think people are feeling that, right? They're feeling the we, not the us versus them. Certainly the announcement today that we will have a new corporate headquarters that will be combined Madiv is also really exciting. But for me, transformation is also new. My career, as you know, has always been in finance. So it's kind of learning a new role, creating and standing up this organization, and also learning to businesses all at once. So I would say for me, it's been drinking from a fire hose to say the least. But as I look at Madiv and I look back on my career and all of the various acquisitions and M&A activity that I've been part of, I haven't been part of one that seems so culturally aligned and that the goals and the vision are aligned not only at the top, but throughout the organization. So in a lot of the conversations that I've had with folks, the point of view is like, hey, we were wanting to do a lot of this integration before, and now we've got the license to do it and we're big enough to do it. So everyone's super excited. So all the different things that come along with two companies coming together, a merger of equals is not a fairly common thing, right? Right. You could spend time on culture, on org design, on systems, on financial reporting. Where are you finding you and your team are spending the majority of your time now? Yeah. So 
And we made the decision to bring the integration team internal. In all honesty, there is the majority of our time trying to figure out, okay, what is all of the activity that's ahead of us? And every single function, every single business unit has a long laundry list of opportunity and ideas around how we're going to create value. So for us, what we want to shine a light on is, okay, what is going to be most important for us to make the business units successful? We organized around business units and we have enabling functions that support them. And that's really big difference from where both of the previous companies were. So for us, I would say the first priority is for us to focus on what we can do to make the business units successful. The second criteria is for us to figure out how we accelerate and drive value capture, which we are calling synergies. Uh, synergies can come in the form of cost savings and also revenue generation. And then the third criteria that we're trying to you know, determine how we prioritize work is how we optimize the way we do things. So with mergers of equal, a little bit different, a lot different than an acquisition, where in an acquisition, it's it's oftentimes um, the road is is already kind of paved for you to figure out like, okay, this is the direction we're going to go. But in an MOE, we have to evaluate both sides and both companies grew through acquisition. So I think there was opportunity to even optimize the base businesses. So we have a lot in front of us. Uh, the great news is we got a lot of opportunity to create value with this merger. So how would you say it's going so far? I think it is going tremendously well. So as of the date of this recording, we're only a couple of months in uh, to being Madif. So you know, as we think about a lot of mergers and acquisitions and the way different businesses handle that process, many will focus on day one only until close. But on the Madif side, we did not do that. We focused not only on making sure that we could stand ourselves up as Madif on day one, but teams across all functions and across the business and worlds um, had also worked through integration plans, how we were going to come together, how we were going to work together. Collaboration was key. And there was also a lot of work around the validation and plans and how we're going to deliver value. So we call value uh, synergies and synergies can come in the form of cost and revenue. And we're getting after that and what I call ringing the synergy bell early, which is really important because it gives us the license externally to continue to do what we say we want to do. And so I think that the executive team and the board of directors are all really impressed with our, our early days. And that says a lot about the organization. So you mentioned the Synergy Bell right before we got on for this podcast recording. I literally heard what sounded like Rudolph and his crew running down the hallway. Do you actually literally have a Synergy Bell? I do. I do have a Synergy Bell. <laughs> So the Synergy Bell comes into play with both revenue growth opportunities as well as cost side opportunities. Is that right? That is absolutely true. And so what we, you know, what we've communicated and committed to is that with the merger, we would deliver $65 million worth of cost saving synergies. And within that, we said that we would deliver at least half of that within the first year. So we are still feeling confident that we will be able to 
to do that. In fact, in the last earning call, um, we talked about our belief that we are on our way to deliver $20 million worth of run right savings as we exit 2022. So really impressed with that. But ultimately, the real value of MADIF coming together are the revenue synergies. So as we combine these business units and stand these business units up and put all of our pieces together that are MADIF, um, making one plus one equal something bigger is where we'll have sustaining value. And that's where we're really excited. And frankly, from a business unit perspective, I mean, from the president, GBU presidents all the way throughout the organization, there's just such high passion and drive and excitement to make that happen. So I think we are all in for a really fun ride. That's great. That's great. Would you be able to point to something that you're most proud of so far? So I think I am most proud of the organization and their ability to manage not only the their day jobs and the base business, but also, you know, in, in many ways, like completely change the way they think and the respect that people across the organization have for for one another and their just genuine ability to collaborate and respect one another is uh, is something that I'm really proud to be part of and that's really just everywhere you see it every single day and every single conversation and so ultimately we all want to I mean it's such a cliche but we all want to be bigger than you know something we can manage on our own you only do that in an organization where there is a true sense of team and I think we've got that which is super special here so you mentioned that you got to transformation by way of finance was that your goal as a little girl to grow up and go into finance and later be a transformation leader or was there a different plan <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't even say that two years ago, my plan would be go to finance and then ultimately transformation. But you were the one who really helped me think about that. So I think in finance, you always have the opportunity to get involved in really anything your heart desires, um, because ultimately it all comes back to the numbers. I have a, and have always had kind of this insatiable curiosity. I love to learn. I love to contribute. I love to make a difference. And in doing that, though my career has been really focused on finance, I found myself really being involved in a lot of cross-functional projects in a lot of process and kind of overall like business transformation. So it's been exciting. However, if you're asking me what I wanted to do when I was a little nerdy child, uh, which I was a big, huge nerd, um, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So what dissuaded you from going the law school route? Because that was before you met Ricardo. I know. I mean, my gosh, I'll tell you, if I had met Ricardo, then I definitely would be practicing law uh, for sure. So I, that's my junior year, I took my first liberal arts accounting class and I loved it. So, I mean, that's what inspired me. I changed my major my junior year. So growing up, Thinking you were going to be a lawyer, was that in the greater Atlanta area or are you from a different place? I am from a different place. I'm from Western Massachusetts. And apparently I've got the accent to prove it, though I do not sense it at all. So you grew up in Western Massachusetts. Yes. Siblings? Yes. I am a middle child, one of three girls. So my older sister is 14 months older and my younger sister is two years younger. So how did you get down to Atlanta? 
So lots of different moves throughout my early years, one of them bringing us from Connecticut to Baltimore. And when I was in Baltimore, I was recruited from, at the time, Newell Rubbermaid. So we had this small corporate finance office, tiny office uh, that was up in Baltimore. And our CEO was there, our CFO was there, and small corporate finance team. And then Newell relocated their headquarters to Atlanta, and I have been here ever since. So what do you do for fun when you're not doing finance or transformation types of stuff? Yes, I love um, experiencing new things. So I love all things that involve people, travel, all of it. So love to travel. I love live music. I love theater. love hanging out with my friends, hiking, like exploring Georgia, I love being outside because I do feel like that biophilic nature just kind of gives me energy, especially after kind of long weeks in, in the office. How's your commute been? It's great. It's a reverse commute. So I actually get a ton done and been able to spend that time that I didn't have before connecting with family. Um, so my dad um, will say that he's talked to me more these last few months than he has probably in the last decade. <laughs> So it's good. I think you always have to see the silver lining. For those of you in the listening audience, I think it's a great example of how Natalie really does see the silver lining because every now and then he does <laughs> remind me that she used to just walk to her office in Midtown previously and now sits in her car for a while, but takes the opportunity to connect with friends and her dad and so forth. Yeah, all the things. Uh, so, And I also um, refuse to take your bait about me being a negative Nelly about my commute because it is pretty darn long. <laughs> it's really largely the only thing that you're a negative Nelly about, but you do uh, you do go there every now and then. But hey, I, I mean, I understand you used to walk a couple blocks to the office. So yeah, exactly. We're happy you're driving up here now. We're happy to have you. What would your advice be to your younger self sitting in Western Mass early in your life? Yeah, you know, so even when I was little, I put a whole ton of pressure on myself. I'm like, I have this crazy, um, crazy flaw that I just hate to disappoint in any way. So I tend to overextend myself. And I think what I would, the wand I would wave over my head, um, and I would say that this is true even in the last couple of decades, is don't try to do everything, focus on, on what's really important and be sure that my personal happiness is also a priority. Seems like that might apply in your role because there could be the temptation to do a little of everything. Yeah. And so I completely agree. And I think the organization would agree, right? And so what I think is really important for us in transformation and within the integration is to be sure we're not overextending the organization. I mean, that doesn't mean that we're not going to push hard and that we don't want to win because that's just in the DNA of our organization. I can already feel that. But I think it's really important that we focus on the really important drivers uh, because we want to you know, make sure that our team loves working for, for Matt. And if all they're doing is working, it's going to be hard to manage that. What do you think success looks like at the end of this integration? So I think 
at the end, we certainly want to deliver on all of the financial objectives that we have committed to. Ideally, we would exceed them, uh, but we're not going to commit to that until we have line of sight to doing that. But I think at the end of it, if we have met or exceeded our commitments and have a really engaged organization, an organization where they feel like they are growing and developing and have opportunity to do things that they wouldn't outside of MADIF, then we've succeeded. Because at the end of the day, it's bigger than just business. It is about the people and it's about who we impact and how we impact them. So I would say it's a balance of both as we look back on this. Are there things that concern you as we look forward to that end state that you're, you're worried could trip us up? Yeah, so I think probably make, not making choices. Uh, so if, I mean, it's kind of the same theme, right? So if we try to do it all, and we are right now trying to do it all, then I'm concerned uh, because I, I, I don't think we'll be able to. So just making sure that we've got the, the right objective metrics to make the decisions. And we're not going to make all of the right ones. Uh, so, you know, as we go fast, I think it is important that we evaluate our success with milestones along the way so that we can fail fast, too, if we need to. And then adjust. And adjust. Yeah. How do you feel like your team has come together in the early days? I think it's coming together great. Right now, as of the day of this recording, uh, we're still a small team and we're building it out. But I have got to say, I mean, the I was just on a team call this morning and we were just kind of doing a round robin of what everyone has on their plate and what has already been accomplished. And I, my gosh, like we have got the right people on the bus to help the organization be successful. And what I love about the transformation team so far and as it's getting built out, every single person is totally different. So we play on each other's strengths and we really, I think, become stronger because of that. But just a great group of people, tremendous depth of experience, both on the SWM side, the Nina side, and externally. So we're just, I couldn't be more thrilled. So I think this is one of the best teams in my career that we're starting to put together. That's great news. I'm excited about that. And from where I sit, I share that same optimism about, about the crew you've assembled there. If you had to give it a grade, let's go like scale of one to 10, one being an you know, unmitigated disaster and 10 being you know, perfect. How's it going so far? I think we are a nine. I think the organization is an 11. But I mean, as we look at everything that's happened so far with the integration, I mean, it, it's largely the players in the business and in the functional areas that are delivering our, our early success. I'm giving myself a nine because I think where we still need to help the organization is around pacing um, and figuring out the, the priorities. And we'll do that. I mean, that just takes time, but I can't give us an A plus until we've delivered. Yeah. I mean, is the temptation literally there every day to just take on too much? Is that what you're, you're fighting? Yeah. And I think that, you know, in some cases, it's also giving all of the functional teams. So we've got 22 work streams. And now within those work streams, there are sub work streams that are starting to branch off. So because everyone is running, they don't often 
yet have visibility to everything else that everyone has going on, right? And so we call it dependencies. We've got dependencies just across the organization. And and there are some of our functional areas who are particularly swamped in the integration, some because of regulatory and compliance reasons and other because they just tend to be the go-tos. So I think for us, it's also just, you know, shining that light on all of the pressures throughout the organization. Gotcha. Well, Natalie, at the end of every one of Madib's Getting a No podcast, we ask our guests three specific questions. I'm going to hit you with those in succession here right now. All right? Mm-hmm. The first one of those is, what is always in at all times of the year in your refrigerator? All right. So I've been listening to these Get to Know podcast uh, since before I started. Um, And it's kind of funny because um, I've also listened to them on like two times speed. So as I meet people, it's always, um, I'm like, hey, why are you talking so slow? It's just really weird. But as I've been thinking about this question, I've been also taking inventory of my fridge. And sadly, the only thing that is always there, or maybe not sadly, is champagne. So I always have champagne in the fridge because you just never know when A, you want a mimosa, but B, you're you have someone to celebrate or something to celebrate. Do you like break into it a lot or is it the same sad bottle of champagne sitting in there? Oh, no. There are cases <laughs> in the wine closet. Excellent. Well, congratulations then if that's the case. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. It's good to be celebrating that much. And it, I, look, I'm glad to know that our transformation leader is that much of a winner. So that's good. Go celebrate. <laughs> or I'm just uh, like really motivational and I'm, I'm happy to celebrate anything. Or motivational. I know you don't have low standards, <laughs> so, so I feel pretty good about that answer. Second question for you, Natalie. Amongst those who know you well, what would you say you're most famous for? All right. I cannot be as cool as Andy and have a sandwich named after me. So I'm actually going the opposite way. Um, and so we're actually, you and I were just talking about this at lunch today. So honestly, like anyone who knows me, like even for five minutes knows that I despise mashed potatoes and it is the weirdest thing that everybody knows and I'm obsessed with telling everybody, but that I would say is like the most famous thing about me. <laughs> it's, it is weird. I, it is weird. I know. I haven't found many other people um, who hate it. All right, Natalie, last question. What would you say you are most looking forward to at this very moment? So honestly, it's kind of a little bit tactical. So I'm going to talk about um, two things, one personal, one, can I talk, can I say two things? Yeah, sure. All right, two things. I, in my three and a half months here at Madhub, have not had a chance to get out to any of our sites. So in the next month, I'll be in Spain, I'll be in Germany and throughout the U.S. on um, on different trips where we're going to be able to get to the mills and meet our folks. And I am just so thrilled to be doing that um, because that's where I'm really going to understand the business and actually meet and appreciate the people who actually make this company tick. So that I'm super excited about. And I've got a ton of personal travel and a lot of things going on over the next couple of, of months where I'm going to see friends that I haven't seen in a while. So excited about that. That's great. Good for you. Well, Natalie, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule as you lead the transformation and integration efforts for Madev. We appreciate you taking time on the Getting to Know podcast with us. 
Thanks. I really appreciate it. And, you know, if I can just say a huge thanks and shout out to the organization uh, for all the hard work and um, just the tremendous success so far. So thanks for having me, Mike. You bet, Natalie. Thanks for your leadership. And for those of you in the listening audience, thanks for your time. I hope you've enjoyed getting to know Natalie a little bit more and learning more about the transformation and integration work that she's leading with us. We'll talk to you again in two more weeks.